Hello and welcome to episode 458 of Fergo on the Freak. I'm the bloke from Rugby League Project, Andrew Ferguson. You can find me on Twitter at AndrewRLP. Joining me as always is a somber league freak. You can find me on Twitter at League Freak. How are you going there, mate? Why am I somber? Because England's not in the they're not in the World Cup final. Oh no! What will Victor Radley do for the next week? He's wanted to play in the World Cup final all his since July. Has it been that long? Yeah, yeah. Wow. He wants to make his daddy proud. He went so close. I know, I know. It's so close. Oh, he, he'll be fine, yeah. He'll be back home in Bondi soon. Yeah, yeah. Interesting Bond, week. Hang on, of, Bond, in, Bondi, Birmingham, I can't remember. I get those two mixed up. They're, they're so very similar. similar, yeah. They are. I know that one of them is where Ozzy Osbourne is from. Yeah, the other one's full of Irishmen. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> the other one's full of Irishmen. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, people, people that'll fix your roof for a good price. Um, yeah, interesting week. Um, Australia in the World Cup semis, they, you know, when they played against New Zealand, I felt like it was two teams that weren't going as well as they should. I think New Zealand had a really like disappointing tournament, um, and they still managed to push Australia a little bit. But I think Australia was really hurt by the fact that Mal Meninga had been chopping and changing with his halves all tournament. I think that next time around, you would say to him, look, just, you know, give your, give everyone a run in the first game and then select your best team and go from there. Because I think that it's really affected the side's performance. They got the job done against New Zealand, but, um, you know, that they they weren't at their best. And then Samoa come out and uh, put it to England. England fought back a little bit, and then Samoa fought back a little bit. Um, and then Stephen Crichton iced the most cool, calm field goal I think I've ever seen in a big game by any player. Yeah, I mean, last I heard, um, the English defence still haven't got to him. Yeah, yeah. It was a long way back from the line, hey, he, when you think about it. He was. But, um, man, he had... So much time and was so cool. Yeah. Um, a few things. I think, and I'm, I'm fairly certain you'll probably argue with me on this one, I think if anything we've seen from the halves debacle, which you mentioned, that I'm kind of justified in saying that they should have went with Nico Hines in the squad because then you could have had a set halves pairing for the games and if you needed someone to back them up due to injury, Hines is there. Otherwise, you can put him on the bench for one or two games as your uh, your utility back. I think that would have been much better for the side, uh, cohesive-wise, mm-hmm. than chopping and changing all the time. Because I don't think we have ever saw Australia properly click. Yeah, I agree. I, look, I I can say I can. That's a very very strong argument. Um, that's what I do. Yeah. Yeah, I like to make really weak arguments, <laughs> uh, flimsy ones. No, nah, but uh, look, it's a strong argument. I think the thing is, though, that it's it'd be hard to do that and leave DCE at home because he's just got so much experience, you know. He does. Um, he does. That, but, uh, I think that's the thing. Yeah, they, that's something that they should definitely look at, though, in the future, I think. Um, yeah. For me, too, I thought that the the Kiwis were marginally the better team against Australia. Oh really? Yeah, I don't know. Australia, Australia just looked. Um, it's going to sound weird. A little bit underprepared for the game. It was almost yeah. like they were, they were training to play against. You know, like they were preparing to play against Wales again or something. I don't know. Yeah, it's, look, I I just think it comes down to the fact that their their main playmakers just haven't had a great deal of game time at all together. Like when you think about how many games. Cleary and Munster have played together in their entire lives. It's like two and a half games or something like that. And, uh, you know, it's not always been against quality opposition. Um, I think that the thing Mal Meninga needs to do going forward is bite the bullet and say, Nathan Cleary's the halfback going forward until such time as somebody better comes along. And that's it, you know, Um, because this chopping and changing stuff, I think it, it really has hurt. And just the the uncertainty and all of that sort of stuff as well. So um, I think that that hurt the Australian team. And look, when Cleary would step in and, and take over fully, Australia looked pretty damn good. Um, but 
he he hasn't really had that chance to establish himself, unfortunately. And Munster's the sort of player that really plays well off of any halfback that's a good organizer. So, um, so yeah, that's that's what I think about Australia. They go into the the finalist favourites, obviously. Yeah, but um, I think we could be performing better. And I also think another thing is you you know being unable to play games because of COVID for so long that has an effect as well. Oh, of course it does. Of course it does. The whole chemistry of the side and, you know, so many players have been changed up, I guess, in that, that few years where we weren't playing internationals. There was no chance of transitioning players in there and giving them one-off tests and stuff like that. As You know, as a bit of a, I suppose, not quite a warm-up, but uh, a better understanding and appreciation of what they were doing. You had mm-hmm. to sort of had to all cram that into a few weeks. Yeah. I Look, I think that that also hurt Tonga as well at the end of the day. Yeah, Tonga, um, Tonga were flat. They never looked like they were comfortable or set. No, and they looked unfit. Mm. Um, and, I, got a, I was going to say, I've got a question for you, though, about England's performance against Samoa. I'm about to get interrupted here. Um, do you think that that first try that England scored was off a forward pass? Oh, the forward passes through the entire World Cup have been outrageous. Yeah, but that one from Williams, the offload there... Yeah, he was falling forward, and he's he, even on the angle, which is head on. Yeah, you know this should be like kind to adjudicate whether someone's out LBW from square leg. You know, you shouldn't be able to do it, but you could see the pass going forward from the front on angle. Yeah, yeah. It's like, how is that still being allowed to happen? I I don't know. It's uh, one the... of these weird conversations we have about the bunker and video referee that they won't call on forward passes, and. I know people say, you know, that's fine. The, the referee on the field and the touch judges should sort that out. But if, surely if they spot it and it's wrong and it should be, and it's clear as day like that, they should just be able to pull it up. The, the only problem I have with that is sometimes camera angles are deceptive and you would get people that will say, well, if they can call the forward ones, they can call the close ones. And then on top of that, like, the same people that are letting these forward passes go are also in the box. We've seen some terrible decisions out of the box as well. I, I agree. I agree. So I, I would just look, if it was up to me, I would get rid of the video ref for everything except for grounding in goal. Um, and that would be it. I'd, I'd just scrap it for everything else. But the forward passes at this world cup, there's been so many where I've thought, well, you know what? That looked ridiculously forward, but let me just see the replay. Maybe it was just a camera angle or something, and then you see a, a, a perfect camera angle, and it's like, wow. What would they watch? It's maybe, been terrible. Maybe. And look, hear me out. This is a crazy idea. Yeah. What if we put a second referee on the field? That would probably help things, hey? Um, yeah, I don't a, remember this being this big of an issue prior to going back to one referee. No, look, your your idea is radical. Um, I I. I don't like radical change to the game uh, in between seasons. I like it in the middle of the season. Yeah, so maybe so. we can come back to this idea in maybe April or May next year. So the forward passes have been terrible in this whole World Cup, and I just have gotten to the point where when I've seen something terrible be given as an okay pass, I just have to like zone out. Otherwise, I start like wanting to destroy the world. <laughs> Do you think it's a... Um, a one referee thing, or is it a English referee thing? I know we've got some. I know we've got a few Aussie. Ref, is it two Aussie refs, three Aussie refs over there? I, I I think that the touch judges. I think it's just on them. I yeah, think that's that true. They've been terrible. I, I think that you know, there's. I can't say that there's been too many refereeing things that have been a real big issue at the World Cup. No, there's not I, been any like massive howlers. No, no, but the. There have been from the video ref and the touch judges. Yeah. Yeah, it's, you know, two refs. Yeah, yeah, that I would, agree. That, I mean, that would solve it. We sorted it out. We had it fixed. Yeah. We fixed a problem that didn't exist. Yep. And then we unfixed it, and now we fuck things. Yep, 100%. Ah, oh, boy, talking about fucking things, mm-hmm. um, apparently Victor Radley's head Fuck someone else's face. Yeah, look, I don't know the the specifics of what happened, 
but I do know that um, Victor Radley was involved in an altercation with an Irish player. I, I said that on Twitter about watch Victor Radley become Australian really quickly. And I had a bunch of English fans saying, oh, you don't know how much we hate the guy you went after and blah, 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 like I'm supposed to care about these stupid fucking intertown squabbles. And, uh, you know, but I, I, the fact that these players are fighting at the World Cup is ridiculous. And, you know, whatever happened is it's just silly. And I think it's ironic that the only off-field incident we had at the World Cup was the England team after the head of the Rugby Football League um, asked if any of the Fijian team had been arrested before the World Cup had kicked off. Yeah, I wonder if any, I wonder if Ralph Rimmer's got any uh, any more of his comedy act about that. Yeah, I know. I bet he doesn't. Fucking you know. Yeah. So so mate, we've got to we've got to sack some touch judges. Mm-hmm. Um, sack Ralph Rimmer. Yep. Um, I mean, obviously we've got to we're gonna have to sack PVL because he was the one who got rid of two refs. Yes. We've got a few heads on the chopping board already. We do. Everybody that's involved in organising this World Cup, they can go. Oh, but the crowds. Yeah, I oh, know. Sorry, sorry, we moved away from the crowds. But the viewing numbers, the, 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 are we still on that one? Are we still bragging about that one? Well, they bragged about it. And then when, what they were asked for the viewing numbers, they wouldn't give them. Shh. Yeah. Exactly. You don't need to know. Trust us, they're good. Exactly, exactly. Um, and I, you know what I thought was interesting is they hold one game in London, and it's a semi-final, granted, but they hold one game in London. And some people were disappointed with the crowd. I think there was about 40,000 people there. I, I, I can cop that. You know, get 40,000 people to a, a semi-final, I'll cop that, you know. Um, yeah. I thought that it looked not too bad on TV, considering. But... Then they'll say people in the South don't care about rugby league. This is right. Now, the one thing I noticed that they have been banging on about is comparing this World Cup crowd figures to the last one. Yeah. And they're making out how um, how much better things were looking for this World Cup than the last one. Yeah. Now, we're at the final. Mm-hmm. Okay. They need to get at least... 26,480 people in order to equal the total crowd figure of the last World Cup. Mm-hmm. I'm fairly certain they'll go past that. Yes. But it's not going to be by the sheer volume and masses that they kind of were gloating about or um, celebrating about. We're talking it might be by like 10, 20,000. It's not worth yeah. that huge amount of fanfare and fucking gloating and dick swinging. Yeah, I agree, and especially when you look at, I mean, when they they announced the venues for the last World Cup, they were really poorly, you know. I, I, I've said this before, I was ready to go to a bunch of World Cup games last time around, and then they announced the draw and where everyone would be playing, and I couldn't afford it because Australia is a giant country, and you have to fly around it. And yeah, I mean, and it wasn't just all in Australia either. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So Port Moresby, Auckland. And look, um, I've got no problem with games being being shared around. I think the best World Cup we ever that I've ever seen personally was two thousand and eight, where they kind of had teams based in regions and it allowed fan bases of those teams to go there and commit to that area. I yeah. thought that that was pretty good the way they did that. That was well organised. The the crowd figures didn't come through too great, but it was much better organised. Yeah. Mind you, the crowd figures were obviously going to be down because there was less teams as well. Well, well the other thing is, too, that was the that was trying to restart the World Cup after the absolute disaster in 2000 yeah. that saw the eight-year gap. And that eight-year gap was there for a reason because the Rugby League World Cup had been poisoned by how terrible that competition was. So there was also some trepidation about the World Cup as well. And I don't think, you know, probably outside of 2000, I don't think we've seen a World Cup that was more based upon the grandparent rule either. That's true. There's a lot of a lot of the 2000 World Cup was utter debacle. Yeah. 
Yeah. We might have to go and do an episode on that one day. We will. We will. It is outrageous. And, uh, yeah, it's it's crazy. And that's, you know, anybody that thinks I'm cynical about the World Cup organisers when they come out with statements and then it turns out they're not true. Um, it, and it's there's a long history of that. And well, I don't care if anybody doesn't like it because I always end up being proven right by time. You that, know. Two, that 2000 World Cup, though, I mean, it's one thing to have statements coming out in the month or two after a World Cup, but that 2000 World Cup had statements coming out years after. They're still trying to convince people that, no, no, it wasn't as bad as it looks. Yeah, and, and like, <laughs> are, are we that, saying things like, we're in profit before a ball is kicked, and then it's like, well, you know, it wasn't a huge profit, and like, you, it, as you say, four, three, four years later, it's like, we broke even, and then it comes out that they lost millions. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I have zero faith in people that run International Rugby League, and they always, always, always meet my expectations. Yeah, and that's not great. No, it's terrible. I wish it was different. You know, uh, what else has been going on in the world of Rugby League? I have well, heard they, a rumour that involves the West Tigers. I, I can save it for later or I can do it now. Uh, I think it's a well-known one at this stage. Yeah, let's do the West Tigers one next. All right. The, the word going around is that the Tigers have decided to release Jackson Hastings to the Knights and in return they get David Clemmer. Well, I think any time you can release uh, the player that probably impressed you in your side the most, you've got to do it. You know, you can't have players hanging around the club that come in with a really good attitude, um, make a real difference. Genuine leaders. Yeah, well, it just makes no sense you'd keep a player like that around. And if you can look at another club and say, look, you've got a highly paid, disappointing former rep player in your side. Could we take him on and you can have this player that's been doing too much for our club? I just, it's a no brainer. You've, you just have to. It's um, what we call genius within the club. It really is. And um, it's, it's long-term thinking, too. The crazy thing here, too, is that for the entire off-season this year, or pre-season this year, and ever since the, you know, even for the opening seasons of the, of the uh, sorry, opening months of this year, and in the last few weeks, the talk always was that Luke Brooks was going to be going to the Knights. Mm-hmm. And that hasn't happened. And, yeah. People wonder why we're sometimes very savage on the media. They're going, if that's their mail, and they were sticking to it for a whole fucking year, and then yeah. bang, out of nowhere, Luke Brooks is going nowhere, and Jackson Hastings is the one leaving. Hmm. It, it, it's it's Get crazy. Get better sources, fuckers. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that um, when you look at... I just can't imagine that you, you run the West Tigers and you say we've got to get rid of one of these guys. And it was clear they had to get rid of one of them. Who was it going to be? And you end up getting rid of the one that's better. Yeah. Makes no sense. It makes zero sense. It's the West Tigers and they'll bring Clemmer on. And look, Clemmer was average in a very average Newcastle side at times. He was, uh, he just didn't look like he cared. Like a lot of the Knights players poorly coached up there. Um, at Newcastle, but you know he he's a former rep player. He should have done better. And I I just I I've I don't know what to think of the West Tigers anymore. I've seen some people saying, oh, they've recruited really well and this that and the other, and I'm like, have yeah, I, I don't think so. Have they though? I know exactly. I I've not seen anything there that suggests that they're moving in anywhere remotely in the right direction for next year. And the yet, thing is, there's quotes from Tim Sheen saying that, oh, you won't recognise this team next year. And I'm going, hmm. Yeah, I bet we fucking do. <laughs> yeah, you went through this year saying new era. And, geez, it felt a lot similar to a lot of previous ones. I, I yeah, The thing is, though, if, say they finish in 10th place or even like 13th or something like that, there are going to be people that are going to say, oh, but we improved. There will we be, improved. and there'll be the majority of the West Tigers fans. Yeah, we got off the bottom of the ladder. We're so much better now. I'm going, yeah. yeah. No. No, that's not an improvement in the last 10 years. Mm. It's still shit, and that's what it's going to be. I, I hope... Sorry, go on. 
No, you go, you go. I was going to say, I hope when Jackson Hastings goes up to Newcastle, he 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 keeps the same good attitude and he just doesn't get infected by the bullshit that goes on up there, the carry-on, the pub team mentality, garbage, and the poor coaching. I, I, I You know, he's got a chance to kick on and be a solid first-grade player. We saw that. Um, he stood out in the West Tigers side, which is hard to do because he's surrounded by a lot of sucky players. Um, I just would hate to see him go up there and, and suffer the same fate as a lot of players that go up to Newcastle and you just, they get dragged into the shit. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. I actually thought that if if I could see him go to any club and make mm. them better, I would have liked to have seen him go to the Titans. I would have liked to have seen him go to the Dolphins, hey? Yeah. I just oh, think... Mate. They've got and, Milford. What are you on about? Oh, man. Anthony Milford has been diabolical for, for Samoa at the World Cup. And it was crazy to watch the, the commentators in this, the Samoa versus England game. And they're like, Milford's just pulling the strings. And it's like, he's kicked out on the full twice in a row. <laughs> like, he... he oh. Yeah, those strings yeah. he's pulling, they're the wrong ones. Yeah, yeah, it's incredible. But... uh um, I would have liked to have seen him go up there under Wayne Bennett. Got a lot of veteran players around him. Clean slate at the club and 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 a new environment. I think that would have been good for him. The Gold Coast team they need a new coach. Uh, you can't have a former St Helens coach at your club. It's it's just a, a killer blow when you've got a former St Helens coach at your club. We know that, but yeah. Um, but otherwise, yeah, it would have been a pretty good signing, I guess. But I like Sexton. I think with time, Sexton is going to be good up there. Yeah, no, I, I do agree. I just think that um, it would be good to have a legitimately set halves pairing there. Yeah. And you need someone with a bit of experience next to a young guy. And I just think that Hastings does have that. Yeah. Uh, and he's a genuine leader, which I think also that the the Titans' backs are lacking. And he's an on-field leader too. Like it's a lead-by-example sort of player, which yeah. is interesting about him. But, um, you know, we'll see how he goes in Newcastle. Maybe he can do that in Newcastle. It's uh, Well, I, he certainly will. Um, yeah. And Clemmer, look, I mean, he's going to be an absolutely perfect straight swap for uh, Tamo. Yeah, that's what worries me. Hey? <laughs> how Tamo, Tamo just epitomizes so many West Tiger signings from their entire history. Oh, yeah. that, like old player, he's coming off a good season. Oh, he's on big money, I know, but he's going to lead by example. He brings all out of that experience, you know, and he just nothing. Turns up and he goes, cha-ching. Yeah, put his feet up. <laughs> um, yeah, look, the Tigers do have, I'll, I'll, be, I'll be optimistic briefly, and this is mm-hmm. genuine. They've got a lot of very good, talented young juniors coming in through in the system, but they're probably a good two or three years away from making the NRL comp. Mm-hmm. Um, so now is kind of really, really important to set up a bunch of, you know, 25 to 30-year-old players in that age group there to help them make sure that they take that next step, they get that bit better right now so that when these young guys come in, they've got a bunch of very, very experienced and guys at the peak of their careers uh, around them to support them and look after them on the field. And it's just going to be another year where these young blokes are going to get thrown into the, you know, thrown into the fire with a bunch of blokes and there's just nothing. There's no structure. There's no plan. There's nothing. Yeah. It's yeah. a mess. And there will just, a lot of these young guys will just go to other clubs and get better there because that's usually what happens. What happens, yeah. Oh, man. Being a West Tigers fan has got to be tough. It's punishing. It's punishing. Now, the other thing, too, I don't know if you saw this. Mm-hmm. Um, Justin Potato, um, he's pretty confident that COVID's over now. Why? What's he said? Well, he said, you know, we're, we're going to be the first team to take a home game to New Zealand in the post-COVID era. Oh, that's right. Yeah. They're playing in Hamilton, I believe. That's right. And look, it's great that they're going there. I want, I want to say... I, I think, though, we, we said this very early on, I think during COVID and then the lockdowns, that once it gets back to being able to travel everywhere and we can get back to having regular seasons again, 
that the Warriors should have one full season where they get every game played in New Zealand. All their home games will be at Mount Smart, all their away games at other centres throughout New Zealand. Who yeah. cares where? Yeah. That's just the minimum that they should have been given. And what they've been given is the Tigers. And I just think that is fucking piss weak from the NRL. So do I. So do I. I, th- I think it's it's uh, it's not enough. And you I can understand. I can look like there and go on about how fucking great it is. And, oh, we thank you so much. You helped us have the competition. Here's your reward. You get a third buy or a fourth buy for the year. <laughs> it's not – like, my understanding, too, is that it's not even as though they gave extra money to the New Zealand Warriors to – you know, because there's a lot of, of things that they would have missed out on, like season tickets and, you know, sponsorship deals and things like that would have been affected by having to relocate for basically two and a half years. And it's not even as though the NRL said, well, because of that, we're giving you five million bucks to get back on your feet. You know, yeah. so, yeah, it's just a, a lot of lip service from the NRL, which you expect out of the NRL these days. Um, and it is disappointing. I could understand if the NRL said, look, we're not doing it this year, we might do it next year, because you have to be wary of what the New Zealand government, which is little more than a you know, council, um, you've you got to be wary about their weirdo policies that they put in place. Um, anybody that doesn't know this, they're worried about cow farts at the moment, cow's farts. Cow's farting is dangerous in New Zealand. You know? They are dangerous. I, I did remember seeing a uh, a cow fighting once and a cliff just collapsed. Yeah. Just another one another one did it pointing pointing one of the mountains out there and just blew the top off the mountain. Um mate, they're fucking nasty. Look, any time that you can destroy your entire dairy industry because of methane outlet while you live on a fucking volcanic rock that does it every fucking day, you gotta do it. Yeah, I mean, cows, volcanoes. Obviously, one of them's unnatural. Exactly. It's the cow. It's them. It's them manufactured cows. Yeah, those man-made cows. Yeah, eating that manufactured grass. That's right. <laughs> Sounds unnatural to me. Well, you know. See, this is what happens. You let vegans go around doing this sort of stuff. Exactly. The grass munches. Exactly. I mean, that's why you've got to eat meat, people, because you're getting rid of the cows and the methane. It's the least we can do. I agree. I agree. We, we we can't get too political on here, though, can we? No, no, no. I mean, we can we can shoot on the uh, the vegans of this. Yeah, that's that's allowed. That's allowed. Yeah, I'm basically um, calling cows vegans, by the way. I'm sure people get upset there. Yeah. Um. Now, the very very prestigious Golden Boot Award has been announced overnight. Oh. And it has been won by none other than New Zealand's Joey Manu. Congratulations, Joey Manu. Yes, congratulations. Joey Manu. Joey Manu. Celebration. Fantastic. So the shortlist for the Golden Boot Award was a weird one. And so it was Josh Adokar, can't argue with that. Mm-hmm. Jerome Luai, can't argue with that. Joey Manu, meh, I thought that that was a weird one. And then two English players, Victor Radley and George Williams. George Williams? Yeah, George Williams. And they gave it to Manu, right? Yeah. Now, I watched all but one game. I think it was. And I can tell you that New Zealand underperformed and Joey Manu just didn't stand out at all in that team. I actually I remember thinking he was going to come into this World Cup and tear it up, and he just didn't. So for him to get the award is weird. Um, I thought it should have been either Luai or Kikau. I think that in this entire World Cup, Kikau has been an absolute monster in every single game that he played. And Luai, he was pretty good in the first game until England started running away with it, and then there wasn't much he could do. 
And every game since, he has been very good. It's it, like they've. He's the reason why Samoa is where they are in the final, you know. So um, I would have, I would have given it to one of those two players. Um, I'm, I'm kind of with you on Lua. I must admit, I think we've probably got the impression over the last um, year or two that while I don't deny that Lua is a good player, I've often been question questionable about uh, his ability to pull out the good plays when needed. Mm-hmm. Um, and whether his skill set was broad enough to compete at a higher level. Yep. Um, and what I've seen in this World Cup, he's for me, he's finally delivered on all of that. The the timing that he's used, the patience he's used, the selflessness he's employed in plays, um, his understanding of what his team needs and when he, and when they need it from him, mm-hmm. he has he has been superb. Yeah, and he's he's done it in the side that sometimes the play will break down and he still makes something of it or he makes yeah. the right decision. He's I think he still needs to add a little a short kicking game. If he can do that, he'll be really really dangerous. But they're definitely having the extra playmaking duties that you don't normally see him have at the Penrith Panthers. Um, it has helped his game. And it, you can see he's got that ability there. And look, I've I've been one person that said, like, he might be one of the players you'll look at in the Panthers side where they could improve upon having a, a more skilled 5'8 there. Um, I think that this World Cup has shown that he can be that player. Um, and maybe it's just a development thing. You, the thing you forget about the Pan- Panthers halves, they're still so young, you know. They're That's still right. learning the game. And this opportunity for him to run the team from the get-go, it's a it's a big learning opportunity for him. He's um, I don't know, man. Just you know, sometimes when you see a play breakdown in the NRL level, he would get involved in that sort of more panicked play. He'd push a pass, he'd do something silly. That that's just the it's just that one little thing that always worried me about him. He he contribute further to mm-hmm. that panic play, mm-hmm. but this World Cup. He hasn't. He's been the calm hand mm-hmm. that settled things down, looked where the, where the um, opportunities were and exploited those opportunities to great effect. Um, and he was absolutely stunning, uh, his performance against England in that yeah. uh, in that semifinal. Unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. And um, as I said, that they wouldn't be there without him. Milford, as his halves partner, has been abysmal at this World Cup. I can't believe they keep picking him. <laughs> Um, yeah, and I think I think looking at that, that was the reason why a lot of people thought Samoa are not much of a chance here. Mm-hmm. I know I was very doubtful as to how far they go because of their house pairing. Yeah, I knew that Lua would perform well if he had a good house partner. I didn't expect that he would be the good the good house partner that he needed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's just taken everything over. He really and, has, and he had to. Yeah, he really did. He really, really did. So I I would have picked between him and, and Kikau. I think that they've... And look, if you throw Adokar in because, you know, he scored 100 million tries as well, I, I can't argue with that either. I think they've been the three outstanding players at the tournament overall for me. I was surprised that, um, that um, Dominic Young wasn't put forward either. I well, think look, he's probably been one of England's better players. I'd say he's been better than George Williams. Oh, 100%. 100%. Look, they named a team of the tournament. Mm-hmm. He wasn't in it. <laughs> so the wingers that they selected were Ado Carr and To'o. To'o, oh. um, his last game was very good, but he's been a bit quiet outside of that. Yeah. Um, I don't think Samoa, though, knows how to utilise him. It's not because they're not smart. It's more the fact that he's a battering ram in a team full of battering rams. <laughs> Yeah, and, and, and they're poorly coached, really, really poorly coached as well. So you've got to add that to the equation. Um, the team that they selected for the tournament looks like whoever selected it was just, they said, well, this Samoan team, they must be out, outrageously good to to beat England. So let's just pick a lot of their plays because they picked like Crichton, they picked in the centres. Crichton, I think, has been very quiet in this World Cup. I know he's good in the last game. I know he kicked a field goal. I've watched the entire World Cup. He's been very quiet in this World Cup. Um, 
Lafay, another player, fantastic in the last game. Played what maybe the game of his life in the last game. They picked him as the best centre in the World Cup. Um, Junior Paulo, they picked him up front. Don't know, don't know why. He's been pretty quiet in this World Cup. Um, Lou, why they selected? You get that. Manu at fullback. Uh, I think Tedesco's been way, way better than that. Um, Victor Radley, they selected him. They've gone off about Victor Radley. I've been watching Victor Radley. He's been okay, you know. Yeah. Is George Williams? They picked him as the halfback. It's like really. I, yeah, I don't get the rap. I mean, other than you know, the pants department. What's the big rap on George Williams, man? <laughs> You know, Hughes was pretty good for New Zealand. Um, he did suffer a couple of injuries through the World Cup, but I think he was outstanding for New Zealand. So it's just, it's a weird one. And you get to this point in the World Cup, and look, we've seen it even with some of the man of the match selections, and they're selected by the commentary teams, but I would say 80, 85% of the man of the match selections have been like, mind-blowing yeah so i think it all just plays into that it's all i think that it's a lot of english shit that's involved in it and i don't understand it i think if you understood it you don't understand rugby league i'm just glad i've only just seen the team now Mm -hmm. i'm just glad that edwin apape is the hooker yeah he deserved that i have loved watching him play he is a fucking beast he really is he's a fantastic player he definitely deserved that He's got 100%. those. He's got good ball passing skills off the ground at dummy half, and then when he does run, he's running like a prop, man. They they can't fucking bring him down. It takes two or three to get him down. He's just got that immense leg drive on him. Yeah. He's phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, I I legit think that I I wouldn't be surprised if an NRL team is at least asking around about him. They should. He's got enough, he's got enough of a skill set for them to build upon, even if it's as a backup hooker in the NRL side. He'd probably walk into a few clubs. Yeah, like just I, I I agree with you. Like bring him on in a backup role and see how he goes off the bench, and I I think he'd force his way into the starting team. Yeah, I've, I've got huge wraps on him. I love the way he plays the game. George Burgess is the other starting front rower. Mm, I just, I didn't get that. George or Tom? Oh Tom, I mean George. Yeah. They look the same. Hey, I don't know what it is. <laughs> It's uncanny. It's really weird. <laughs> it's like they're twins. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, so it's a similar sort of thing. And when you point out how weird it is, then you get the sycophants that that just pretend that, you know, everything the International Rugby, the rugby League does is wonderful because it gives them access. They'll, they'll all be like, oh, and it's like, no, it's, you can't justify this silly shit. Yeah, it's a bit weird. Mm, mm. The fact that they name it all before the last game, too. Like, what the <laughs> fuck is that about? That's, to me, that's the impressive part. Mm. Yeah. What happens if all of the people who are playing in the final have absolute fucking stinkers or get sent off? How are you going to be laughing at it now? Well, how, what if, what if Luai, right, has the greatest game we've ever seen, leads Samoa to a World Cup victory? And he's not the player of basically because this is basically the player of the tournament, you know. Well, I think it's just I think the the point we're making here is that the the final, the World Cup final, is actually it's actually one of the games in the entire tournament. You can't announce the team of a tournament when the tournament hasn't fucking finished. Yeah, the the only the international rugby league could say. The best international player in the world, and it only counts as internationals for now, but we don't take the World Cup final into account. Yeah. That, that'd be Why silly. Why would we include that game? Yeah. Makes no sense. Um, yeah, it's, it's docile. Yeah. Yeah, it's I, I I used to rat, I used to get fired up about it and stuff. Now I just throw my hands in the air and say this is so fucking dumb. Everyone knows it's fucking dumb. It's like the um, world rankings. You know, it's just dumb. I'll, I'll tell you what, I am. This is the thing I've been most curious about is how they're going to change after the World Cup. One thousand percent, England move up. 
Oh, yeah, that'll be in the number. Where are they now? But that'll be number one. 1,000%. Yeah, because New Zealand aren't winning the World Cup final. Samoa might might move up above, like, one other nation. Yeah. Australia might move up to three. I think the way they'll... The way that they'll justify it is they'll say, well, New Zealand lost to, like, number four Australia. That's a big loss. And, you know, I know I know Samoa beat, you know, England, but, you know. So England's the best team in the world. Um, they'll, they'll have something where they'll say, like, winning the World Cup doesn't carry any more weight than a normal test. <laughs> <laughs> I do know... That it does have a little bit more impact. Oh, does it? Uh, World Cup games, absolutely they do. They carry but a bit the more World weight. Cup final. Yeah. Okay. A little bit more. Not much more, but a little bit more. Okay. Also, sure? um, there is recency bias. So, and I've, I wish I could remember how many years it was. It's either five or eight that they used the results for. Um, so, I wouldn't be surprised if Australia moves up, but I, I. I'd be surprised if they move into the top two, even if they win the World Cup, purely because these are their only international matches in, what, three years? Yeah. So I suspect that no matter what Australia does, they're not going to rise too high, and they will probably still be behind England, only because England have been playing more regularly, and they made it to the semis. And New Zealand will probably still hold down the top spot. These, these be, are my predictions. I'm not saying yeah. they're right, but these are my predictions yeah. as to how it will look. I don't think the top four is going to change too much. Tonga will drop down below Australia. I think that's what will happen. Yeah. So we'll have New Zealand, England, Australia, Tonga and Samoa will be close together. And I, think the, I think they will find a way for England to be number one. I think they'll, they'll find a way. I it's don't possible. know how, but I think they'll find a way. It's possible. Um, yeah, it's the the recency bias thing is still going to be haunting Australia for a few years. That's why Australia just needs to get out there and say, you know what, we're just going to play like thirty five test matches over the next three years and destroy the whole ranking system. <laughs> that should that. That's all they're going to well, do. Here's the thing: Australia is like on a, a the longest winning streak in a World Cup. Like I think that they haven't lost in two World Cups now. Something ridiculous like that. Like haven't lost a game. Yeah, it's it's something nuts like that. I'll just yeah. I'll get the actual record here. I, I can't remember what it was. I do remember looking that up though a while ago. Yeah, and so, um, you know, but that doesn't count. Well, no, that... no, you you don't you don't count like all the facts. Yeah, exactly. Just, just the ones some... that work towards your argument. Yeah, yeah, just just some of the facts, not yeah. all of them. Yeah. So, um, but. At the end of the day, who no one? If people in rugby league don't pay attention to those world rankings, then who cares, really? You know, that's yep. the thing. A lot of this World Cup has shown is like actually Australia's last loss. Yeah, was in two thousand and eight at a in World, World Cup. Cup game. There I think that's that's the final, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, I was there yeah. for that game, and um, that's that. <laughs> So Australia's last five losses in the World Cup. You ready? Yep. This is this is going to take a bit of scrolling on. Can I guess it. them? Sure. So, well, you know the last one was 2008. 2008. Final. Then I think the previous one would be um, the – was it the opening of the 2000 World Cup? No. Okay. Then it was the opening of the 1995 World Cup. Correct. Okay, and then before that, I'm I'm out. I got to tap out. Uh, 1988 against Great Britain, 2612. Okay. Yeah. And then 1985 against New Zealand, lost 18 nil. Mm-hmm. And then 1975 against England, they lost 13 to 16. Wow. Those are that's their last five losses. Wow. Um, the next loss after that was 72. Yeah. Six losses since the 1972 World Cup. That's incredible. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just get that over how many games. There's two draws, six losses, and uh, 66 wins. 
Wow, that's incredible. <laughs> Number four in the world, people. <laughs> Man, that's amazing. Ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. The, so, I don't, I don't suspect there'll be too many huge changes to the world rankings this year. Mm. Um, next year we will see changes so long as Australia keeps playing internationals moving forward. They don't have to play many. But so long as they keep playing internationals over the next two or three years, you will see Australia fly back up the top of that list. But it won't matter if England's um, playing test matches against France and winning them. The fact that Australia um, has made a World Cup final, mm-hmm. and even and if they do win it, um, that's going to give them... Um, you know, more points on that ranking system and they'll they'll just fly up that ladder very easily over the next one or two years. They'll be back at number one very soon. All they've got to do is just keep playing internationals. Yeah, I th- I, look, I think it's clear that Australia needs to just, I think, get to the end of the year and play New Zealand, Tonga, Samoa, Fiji, PNG in any order, you yep. know. That, maybe not all of them every single year, but, you know, play three of them or four of them, however many you can schedule. Um, I'd play, like... Play two of play two of the smaller islands, mm. and then play a test against New Zealand at the end of the year, and then the following year play another two of the smaller islands, different ones against, and then another test against New Zealand at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. Do something like that. You, you're playing three tests, um, which isn't huge, and they don't have to be all end of the year, but uh, that would probably be better for team cohesion and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but that would be a way to do it, which is having minimal impact but you're getting more international footy for those smaller islands which are they're playing more now but they would definitely be open to playing a lot more of those games yeah and i I think that another thing is that the next world cup needs to be at most 10 teams at most two groups of five you play everyone once the top two go through the final or something like that or the top four you know two from each group go through the 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 semis because um this has been a long drawn out world cup to have i think we've now had a grand total of five decent games of football and when i say decent games of football i mean like oh who's going to win this game yeah you know the rest of them were blowouts. I don't think it does anything for the international game. I don't think it does anything for the teams that get absolutely destroyed. And it doesn't do anything for the teams that do the destroying either. No, it's a stupid structure they've got, though, with this pools layout. Like, they set out the pools so that you've got Tier 1 nations, Tier 2, Tier 3, Tier 4. Hang on. That's just... This is what you get when you do that. Yeah. Is you're basically just guaranteeing that the, the top side, the top the tier one nation in each group goes through because you're just giving them weak opponents. You're not what helping can, anyone, you're making the whole thing predictable. It's just the super league but at an international level. Yeah. Well it's can you ima- imagine if we the next World Cup we could say, you know what? To get out of the group stage, Australia has to play Samoa Tonga, PNG and say Lebanon. You know? And, and that would be that it'd be like, man, they've got some games to play. And then England have to take on, like, you know, New Zealand, Tonga, you know, whoever. Um, let's have more quality games. Let's put got- on a show. I don't I don't subscribe to this idea of, like, the way to people get people into rugby league is to trick them to see the sport, you know? No. No one's ever, no one's ever turned on their TV and said, oh, I've been tricked into watching a contest. You guys, you got me again. You got me. You know what? <laughs> this this hundred to nil thrashing, I got tricked into watching this, but I've decided I'm going to watch this sport again. I'm going to go for this Wigan. Was riveting. <laughs> it's just that's a dumb way to look um, at it. I've I've had a thought. I've had a few thoughts about how to structure the World Cup, and yeah. obviously I've aired most of them on the podcast. Yeah, but I've had a bit of a thought over the last week and a half. I reckon I've come up with a good idea. Okay. It's not going to ensure that you get the two best teams in the final, though. That's the only problem. Okay. But you have two groups, Northern Hemisphere, Southern Hemisphere. And you don't break them up into pools other than the fact there's two groups. You put six teams in each group. Mm-hmm. And they play they play each team in their own group once. All right? So you're going to get all the Pacific Islands teams playing against each other once. All the... Northern Hemisphere teams playing against each other once. The top two teams play in the final. 
I hate that idea. You hate it? I absolutely hate it. You're going to get more quality games, though. You are in the Southern Hemisphere group. Exactly right. And, we carry he, the game. Let's make that noticeable on the world stage. But he, he, you know what? Here's the thing. I'm sick of the Northern Hemisphere, and I, it's the European teams. I'm sick of the European teams getting just this armchair ride. I'm sick of it. I'm over it. Oh, they're not really going to get one. Only one of them gets to the final. Yeah, but they still get that to carry on like they're at the World Cup, and well, then we can make it the top four teams, so they they can't actually get to the final. Can I can I just say I said something really outrageous this week? Remember the other week how I said something outrageous where I said, you know what, I think that all of Asia and all of Africa should at least both get a qualifying, you know, straight qualification through. It was very controversial saying it that. Was. Most of the human population should get a chance to qualify for the Rugby League World Cup. How is that controversial? Well, it was just terribly controversial. Why would somebody want most of the human population to be at the have a chance to play in the World Cup? It was just a terrible, horrible thing. I know that because I was told that many times by people on Twitter. Seriously? Are you, did you not see it? No. <laughs> oh, man. People shat on you for suggesting that we should be opening this up to the entire world. A small group of people hammered me for it. The fuck? Hammered me. We've had, we've had rugby league being played in just specific Asia for quite a while now. Philippines, Thailand, Japan what? has been around for ages. Yeah. Um, India's just starting to play the game there as well. They're just the ones that are more prominent at the moment. There's plenty of others still playing rugby league there. You know how there's a group of international rugby league weirdos, right? And when push comes to shove, they're really just about themselves. They they pretend that they're all about international rugby league and grown international rugby league. And they're the first people to say, oh, you just care about state of origin in the NRL, right? Mm. But when push comes to shove, it's really about themselves. Okay. Well, when I made the outrageous suggestion that there are too many teams from Europe at the World Cup and that you look at the performances of the European teams and if we're going to have blowouts, let's maybe give a couple of those European slots, one to Africa and one to Asia, so they have direct qualification. I was told that they don't play rugby league in Africa or Asia, okay? That this would just lead to blowouts, that I'm just being ignorant, that there's so much being done in Europe Hang on, the, hang, the, hang, hang on, hang on, hang on. I've got to say, how is it ignorant to be opening your mind up to more? Surely ignorant means you're, you're closing things down more. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I was also, I was told that the money in Europe is more important than the money in Africa or Asia. Um, that people in Africa and Asia don't care about rugby league whatsoever. You know what this sounds like? that you need to fish where the fish are. Like, I can keep going on. I was told all of these things, and not by a huge group of people. It's no. by some people, you know. You know, what, you know what these people sound like? <laughs> Racists. Well, I, you know what? I said that. <laughs> I might have said that. Because at some point, it's just like, I, it, it just makes no sense. And I, I it's like 6.5 billion people I'm letting into the World Cup qualification process here, man. Uh, And they didn't want it whatsoever. That is absolute nuts. Yeah, crazy. We are legitimately trying to grow the game globally. Why not use the World Cup for that example? It's not like they're talking about blowout scores. How many 90s were racked up in this World Cup against regularly competing teams? Yes. What's the... I don't... I I, I can't even play devil's advocate with their arguments. They're so fucking stupid. Like it was Johnny, um, he mentioned me in the tweet saying, like, I thought there were no players. Like he said, after hearing people tell League Freak for like a week that there were no Asian rugby league players, St. Helen signed this guy. (laughs) And and I I was like, uh, and it, it so it went off, but it went off in a good way where people were like, oh, I've been to Asia and watched rugby league teams play and we did a tour of Asia and all this sort of stuff. It was really cool to see this whole thread yeah. like just going off. And I got to see all of these cool stories from people that had uh, 
experience with Asian rugby league. There was, I think there was a little bit with African rugby league as well. And it was just really cool to see. And it was like, uh, so it was a nice sort of end to that whole thing. But yeah, I had people saying to me like all sorts of crazy things about when, and, and as you said, it's like, I want to bring more people, get more people involved in the world cup. And there were people that were really angry about that. And it wasn't many people, but they were really angry. And I agree. I think that that there was some racial thing involved, which is just really strange. I, d- yeah. I didn't get it. Anyway. It's racist, it's racist in the backwards way. So it's not racist because they hate Asians or they hate Africans. It's racist because they don't want their chances of their team um, losing, being yeah. increased by having other people there. So they want to try and keep the pool as small as possible so as to keep their chances of winning as high as possible. Yeah, it it's was like, very strange. It's it's backwards racism. It's still racism, but it's backwards. And then, so after, it, like, like in Tonga and Samoa, we know where they're at in rugby league. And then Samoa beats England. And I was like, well, th- you know, what this shows is that rugby, international rugby league, if they're going to spend money, they need to spend it where the teams are able to develop. And it's obvious that Samoa is a place, Tonga is a place, Fiji is a place. And I got pushed back from there. And I had people saying, well, look at the population of Tonga and Samoa. They're tiny little islands. And look at the big population in England. Surely it should be spent, you know, where the bigger population is. And I'm like, that makes no sense. You know, like if you've got these small places that are producing the vast majority of the elite players that we're seeing at this World Cup, then that's where you've got to spend, where the talent is coming from. And it just, you know, it's not going to happen because the International Rugby League, it's a an English-based organisation and they just are very inward-looking, but... It would have been nice if some of everybody's money that is supposedly being made at the World Cup went to the places where players are actually being developed. It'd be nice. It would be nice, but it won't happen. So, Andrew, is there any other news in rugby? I'll tell you another little bit of news in rugby league. Yep. There's a funding issue within the NRL. It's not really a funding issue. It's more of an issue where clubs and players want a fairer share of the pie from the NRL and the NRL is trying to placate them while doing so having negotiated a lower broadcasting deal during the absolute middle of COVID for no reason whatsoever, which gave broadcasters a big discount on what they were playing, uh, what they were paying for the game and then a couple of years later, the AFL, who just stuck with their current deal, negotiated a massive increase. And so clubs and players have basically gone to Peter Volandis and said, what the hell? And he's placating them by offering clubs, I think it's about a $5 million, $5.5 million increase on their grant. And then there'll probably be a larger portion of the game's income going to NRL players and the salary cap. And that is all happening right now. Now, clubs have been very bullish in what they've been talking about. And in fact, the head of the Panthers club come out this week and said, you know what, with what we have in place in rugby league, we can replace Peter Volandis and what's and Andrew Abdo, we can replace those guys and put somebody else in charge and the game won't miss a beat. And, and which true. was yeah, and he's true. But you don't normally hear the clubs talking like that. So no. th- it's a very interesting position that everyone's in right now. The fact that next year's salary cap is not put in place yet is ridiculous. Yes. We should know the salary cap at least two years out all the time. Unless there's some giant increase that comes in from um, a new broadcasting deal, and in that case everything goes up by a percentage, that we don't have the salary cap in place for next year is outrageous. That it's not just outrageous; it's woeful administration, mm-hmm. and it's 
fucking absurd. Like, yeah. How, I know um, Phil Gould was apparently, um, let's go with court, criticising the NRL about this. And as much as we've both been rather large Phil Gould critics, he's absolutely mm-hmm. spot on. Because, I mean, how are clubs supposed to organise their rosters for the upcoming season if they don't know how much money they've got to spend on it? Yeah. It makes no sense. Especially if they may have been given an inclination that, yeah, the salary cap's going up and going, okay, we can talk about giving players pay increases then to keep them. Like there was a story that came out just the other day. I saw that Matthew Lodge has now to accept a deal on match payments because they don't know how much the salary cap's going to be. Yeah. Uh, It's Matthew Lodge, who cares? But still, it's going to be a case where a lot of clubs are going to be doing that. Yeah, it's a symptom of what's going on. And like, what what is Andrew Abdo doing? Like that isn't that his job? If he's the CEO, isn't that his job to have things like this buttoned down? Well, that's what I would have thought. Yeah, yeah. And if he's not doing his job, get rid of him because he's just a waste of time and money and space. Which we knew that anyway. Yeah, yeah. He's he's been nothing but a uh, pot plant the whole time. Oh, he's just a talker. Yeah. And and when he talks, he doesn't actually say anything anyway. It's just verbal noise. It's verbal diarrhea is what it is. <laughs> That's all he's doing. Yeah. He's just opening his mouth and pooing. Yeah, pretty much. Um, and, and Peter Volandis, he's just a fucking idiot. Yeah, mind you, he, he's, he's been pretty happy at the moment because he's got all his, um, you know, horse, horsey races out of the way. Yeah. I guess they have one called the Golden Eagle. <laughs> He just made up trophies and called them dumb things. Name one after a mountain. Name one after an animal that isn't a horse. Yeah. What other weird shit's he doing? It's all gold, by the way. It's all got to be gold. (laughs) Well, no one's going to guess that there was any editing done to this episode. There was just one or two spots. You'll never pick it out, but you know. That's how masterful you are at the uh, the editing side of things. Yeah, I I try. Um, it's <laughs> it's funny the days of me being like, oh, this edit this edit mark here is really smooth, and we only put edits in if it's like something, um, like gets in the way of the recording. Like I don't know, we're disturbed or something. Well, but, you know, someone's got to go to the toilet or there's a delivery at the door or some shit. Yeah, yeah. But that now I kind of, part of me is like, I'm going to put in as hard of an edit as I can here so it's just really jarring. Yeah. Um. Part. Yeah, so if you hear those edit points and you're like, what the hell happened? Just know I'm secretly laughing inside. Yeah. It's all mostly dumb to let you know too because you'll hear it. You'll hear something on my end of the, of the uh, microphone. So you know it's at my end that the problem's coming out. <laughs> so it's kind of a reminder that if you don't like the edits, it's it's almost entirely my fault. Well, but, you know, you've had a morning. You've had a morning. It, it's been lengthy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. It's been a good mm. fifteen minute chat about rugby league. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm actually curious as to how long this episode actually is. I know. So so am I. Yeah. And, um, you know, how good the editing would be. Actually, that's now the reason why I listen to the podcast is not because of the content. I want to hear these edit points. Because <laughs> they are. Some of them are just fucking spot on. Otherwise, you just go, ooh. <laughs> yeah, other, yeah. sometimes they're pretty rough. But, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting. It, it reminds me of some of the episodes that we've had to um, not, like, publish and when i've started editing those and it'll be like a two-hour recording and i've got like 15 minutes of something to work with and i'm like this isn't working so, <laughs> it. but this this one will be fine i know that this one will yeah, be, be good we've got some content in there yeah yeah it's been good it's been good but we and, will be getting we will be getting things better soon yeah and leading up to the rugby league world cup final too so we've got the final to review for our next episode and then I guess we'll do the uh, King of Rugby League Awards. How about that? That we will make sure we get absolutely perfect. We might do that zero. as nighttime one, hey? I, th- I think we have to, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And you'll have to have a little bit of alcohol. I can do that. Yeah. I can do that. Yeah. I think that's the plan. Okay. 
All right, we'll do that. We'll we do should that. try and make some sort of massive event out of it too and get some people on. Yeah, we could get some guests on. Yeah, I think that might be a plan. We'll work on that. Okay. They can give their awards. Not that they'll be worth anything because the only ones that are worth a pinch of shit anywhere are the King of Rugby League Awards. I agree, hey. I knew you'd see it my way. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I suppose that's pretty much it for this one. Yep. Um, thank you, everybody, for listening in. Um, Godspeed to you, Freaky, because for the amount of editing you have to do. Um, just so people know, we did record this on um, October the 18th. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully it's out within a month. Um, make sure you check us out on the socials, Instagram and Twitter at Fergo Freak Pod. We're on LinkedIn, Facebook, YouTube. Check us out there as well. Follow that bloke at League Freak. I'm an Andrew RLP. I don't know about you. I've actually lost. I've been losing followers on Twitter the last few weeks. Oh, really? I don't know. Let about me see. About 20 or 30 odd. Let me see. I'll tell you right now. And I, I think it's just because I haven't been using it. Or maybe I haven't said anything about Elon Musk. I think I've lost five. Oh, there you go. Yeah. So it might just be, I don't know. Maybe I upset someone. You do that a lot on Twitter. I, I tend to. Yeah, I'm glad I don't do that. I know I upset a, an actual mainstream journal the other day. Oh, really? They showed some sort of emotion, huh? No, you just said, thank you, Andrew, and then they unfollowed me. Oh, who was that? Michael Carianis from Sydney Morning Herald. Oh, fuck him. <laughs> to be honest, I've never had a drama with him, but it was just weird because I just pointed out how um, he was writing a a piece about Anthony Seabold that was positive. Mm. And I said, this is all just part of the normal news cycle we get when it comes to, you know, when the media wants coaches sacked, they'll do pieces of how much the players, the you know, coaches lost the dressing room and the players are turned on the coach and the coach has done this wrong and, you know, why this coach should be sacked. Then that coach gets sacked. Then they'll promote someone to get in there. When they get in, there's just puff pieces galore about them and why they're the right fit and everything like that. That's pretty much what I was saying. He said, thanks, Andrew. And then unfollowed you. Then unfollowed me. I was like, it's kind of a, I don't know, soft response. Yeah. Look, <laughs> I find the least, the less you have of journalists following you, the better. I, I block journalists. If you've got a blue tick, I probably block you. Hey. Except I there's, the there is tick. one that you wouldn't. Hey. There is one though with a blue tick that you wouldn't block. Um, Our old mate James Smith. <laughs> Oh, yeah, Jim Smith, but I don't think of him as a journalist. I don't know if that's right or wrong, but I just think of him as James Smith. He's a fucking legend is what he is. Yeah. And uh, I, and I follow the only other ones I think I can I follow are um, Rugby League Week Mole. He hasn't got a blue tick, though. And uh, Craig Nuremberg's. And that's it. There you go. We've got the list of all the big names here. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, so thank you for tuning in. Um, apologies on my behalf for the, uh, <laughs> this is mostly to freak you, not to you people listening. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Apologies for all the dramas that are going on. Don't worry about it. You know what it's like. People on, on Twitter think I'm really fucking angry. You know, I'm the opposite. <laughs> That's very true. If anything, it's actually the other way around with us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you've got a reason to be angry. I've heard it all. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I try and get it all out before we start recording. And then you start raising shit about West Tigers and off we go again. <laughs> it, uh, yeah, thanks for tuning in, everyone. Um, we will be doing a preview of the World Cup final. Um, and, yeah, we've got plenty of stuff coming up in the off-season as well. So don't go away because we're not. And uh, we'll catch you all next time.